Let me take you, if I could, back to the, this long tale of how uh, it goes back to how Adoption st Sunday started or how Mercy Found Sunday started. Uh, it goes back to about 19 years ago, and uh, the context is that Jen and I have three small children at that time. Three small, they're not children, they're monsters, right? They're, they're three boys, and they're hungry, and they take a lot of energy and time and food, and they had just gotten out of the uh, Similac and uh, diaper stage. And so they, we were just getting our heads above water as parents uh, with these three, and we were done. And uh, my wife comes to me, and she says, Honey, I think the Lord wants us to adopt a child. I says, in my head, I'm trying to be a Christian with my response, but in my head, I'm probably being unchristian. I said, my wife's crazy. Crazy as a cricket in a hubcap, right? It's like, no way. Like, we, we, we don't have any money. Adoption costs money. We don't have any energy. We're always tired. Like, Jenna, what are you talking about? And so I was rude to her. I, the story is real. She tells us at Family Life Conferences. I was rude to her. I stuck the hand up, said, no way, Jose. Shut it down. Don't even think about it. What, and I shamed her probably. What are you thinking about? How can you even, th what? You with me? So here's what my wife did. She did what smart wives do. She, she said, God, sick him, right? <laughs> She said, God, go get him. Big boy, big boy got to come down. And, and what she did was, in all honesty, was she began to pray, Lord, either change my heart toward adoption, what you've put on me, or change his old, sorry, hard heart, right? <laughs> I think the Lord chose the latter. I know he did because over the next year or so, wherever I went, there was, uh, I was reminded of adoption. I remember being sicker than a dog. Uh, one time I'm sitting in the doctor's office and I'm flipping through a magazine before I see the doctor and my eyes got locked on this article about adoption. And I remember tears welling up and then radio shows and friends adopting children and every time something like that would happen, it would grab me. And then the climax of that was I'd been in seminary all summer in Chicago, eight weeks of Hebrew, and I'm a PE and health major. There's nothing in PE and health that helps you with Hebrew, I promise you, right? <laughs> so I'm an out of my element. I have survived on um, fast foods and Diet Mountain Dews. I literally had a cooler of Diet Mountain Dews uh, all summer by myself, and I get home so my sleep's messed up, and it's two in the morning. I'm laying on the couch, flipping through channels, and there's a documentary on TV about an hour-long documentary of a man and wife who adopted 12 children. As I watched it, I remember sliding off the couch. I lay f face down on the floor sobbing. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I give up. I'm done. I know we're going to get a child. Okay, you made it clear. The next morning, get up and I tell Jenna and She's like, mm-hmm, I, <laughs> I told him to get you, and he did. And we danced and cried around the kitchen, a uh, little counter in our kitchen. And uh, so we start this process of adoption. Fast forward about eight weeks later, we get a call, and the nurse said, uh, lady said at the adoption agency, uh, we have a child for you. 
Uh, most of you know that child is Joel. That was 17 and a half years ago. So I told her last night, I said, you're the founder of Mercy Found at Fellowship Bible Church. Because what happened, we went down and uh, the, uh, I remember this African-American nurse with this beautiful smile had Joel wrapped up and she lays this baby out. And she said, Dad, meet your daughter. And uh, as Jen and I experienced that, it's so powerful. So powerful. It's too much to unpack this morning. But I remember us talking about from that day forward that we really wanted to help people go through the process. Like we could understand why people would, uh, would avoid adoption. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to get the money. There's too much red tape. There's no one to walk with them through the process and answer their questions. Things like what agency can I trust? So we really made a commitment in our own hearts to help families from that day forward. Little did we know we would be coming here 15 and a half years ago. And uh, as I came here, I asked Monty and the elders, hey, I, this is really on my heart. It's very important to us. Uh, do you mind if we do this? Obviously, they didn't. And so we started what we now call Mercy Found Sunday. And the goal was to help encourage young families to adopt children who need a home and then to help them navigate through the process of equipping them and giving them knowledge about where to go and how to start and how to get there, uh, to give our body the tangible uh, equipping it needs to, to really reinforce these families who God calls to adopt with their time, talent, truth, and treasure, that this would be a body-wide thing. And, and here's the results of that. The results of that you see in front of you is a picture. We've had approximately 25 families, starting with Joelle as we came here seven, 15 and a half years ago. She was two to now those are the uh, uh, children in our, and families in our church who have adopted. So isn't that incredible? Yes, what God, amen, yeah. So, and obviously we've had numerous families move and maybe even over 30 uh, by, by this time. So what we did 11 years ago, we brought some leadership onto this ministry. Uh, Emily Henry, who has served faithful. I'm grateful for faithful leadership from her. And uh, she came along and gave this ministry a name, Mercy Found. And uh, so you're going to hear from her next. But before you do, uh, I want you to check out this video about uh, adoption. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. I have traveled so far. I have waited so long. I have almost given up. I have learned to be strong through it all I have hope there is more ahead of me and in the arms of love I found where I'm meant to be oh, oh what if I find home when I'm with you a place where dreams come true when the sun ain't shining the light will still come through the windows of the home when I'm with you a place where dreams come true
idea of home. Um, <clears throat> give me a minute. <laughs> um, and I love that my home here at Fellowship um, takes a Sunday every November to highlight the ways that, um, that we can help orphaned and vulnerable children around the world and perhaps even be home to one or many of, of them. <clears throat> And so I have all loved watching how God has grown our understanding of how to best do that. And um, part of that is, is understanding stepping into that in lots of different ways. And so probably four or five years ago, we kind of landed along with the big church on these four ways that every Christian can step into helping orphaned and vulnerable children, both here and around the world. And so those are highlighted on your outline. Um, every year we try to highlight one of those. Last year we highlighted foster care. And um, I encourage you to pick up some information out at the, out at the table on fostering. Um, and we have had in this last year several uh, fellowship families who have already gone through the process and um, already have um, beautiful little ones and young adults in their home. And they are home to them, whether for a season or as a forever family. Um, and then today, we are highlighting adoption. And in just a little bit, you're gonna to get to watch a video of two, um, two fellowship families that have just adopted within this last year. Uh, one for the first time, and one it was their third child that came home. Um, and uh, so I encourage you, there's information out at the desk um, on adoption, and there are lots of foster families here. You can go on Mercy Found on Realm, and there are lots of foster and adoptive families here who are happy to answer questions. And then um, if you'll see on there, there's orphan care as well. Orphan care is kind of what you probably think of when you think of sponsorship outside, you know, kind of globally sponsorship. Um, at the very top of that, you'll see CAFO.org. That's Christian Alliance for Orphans. 
that organization has really um, grown with God's vision of how to best serve um, orphan and vulnerable children. They have grown along with that. And so if, if you are looking for a ministry to, to do sponsorship with, we've highlighted Food for the Hungry. And um, Compassion is great. I could list lots. Go on to CAFO.org and all of the ministries and the um, organizations that they have on there are kind of moving in the direction that God is taking us. Um, and then lastly, you'll see family preservation on there. And under family preservation, I wanted to highlight area uh, ministries and some ministries right here at Fellowship. The first one that I wanted to mention is Portico. And Portico is a pregnancy care center. And, and their motto is where every story counts. And it's a beautiful place where every child counts, whether born or unborn. And so I encourage you, go to porticostory.org and, and, and investigate that organization. And um, Sheila Herndon can answer any questions if you have questions about Portico. Um, and then also there's Embrace Grace, and Embrace Grace is a ministry right here at Fellowship, and it's for women with unexpected pregnancies, and you kind of do life with them, they do baby showers for them, they study with them, um, and if you are interested in helping, they're getting ready to start a new term where they'll, be, they'll need anything from leadership to child care to do, hosting baby showers. Um, if you're interested in that, sign up out in the lobby, and Chalice Frazier will get in contact with you. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Stepping Stones ministry. You may have served with Stepping Stones with your community group, and Stepping Stones is a ministry for homeless women and women with children. Um, and and those are often the vulnerable children in our in our community. And so what they do is those women may be at the shelter during the day, and then their hope is that in the evenings and at night they will go out to local churches. We're one of several that host them. We do that every third Wednesday and Thursday night. You've served with your community group there. I hope that your community group has, has done that. Um, there are always holes to fill, so if you can tear down, sit up, do laundry, set up, do laundry, come and, come and talk with the kids, come and talk with the women. Um, lots of ways you can step into Stepping Stones. Sign up out there, and Meg Luttrell will um, contact you about that. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about our wraparound ministry. Every November, we get to highlight the needs of orphan and vulnerable children. And our hope is that, is that so many of our families would step into that through adoption and foster care. We want, to, we want to be sure that as much as families invite us into that, that we can go along that journey with them and be there with them, whether they are a waiting family or their children have been home for almost 16 years. Um, so please, uh, please, if you are an adoptive or foster family and you would like to be involved in that, sign up out there and I will contact you. If you are interested in being on a wraparound group, whether th through this past year we have had the honor and the privilege of walking through several of our uh, adoptive families, one that you will get to hear from, um, with prayer, encouragement, we've taken food, um, there are lots of those groups we haven't even utilized yet, auto and home maintenance, um, lots of different ways that you can plug in. If you're interested in that and can do that, sign up out at the table and I will be contacting you. 
Um, and so since we're highlighting adoption today, Kevin has put together a beautiful video of two of our families, the Cherry family and the Trout family, who um, graciously agreed to share their beautiful heart and beautiful stories with us. So please enjoy. So we've been married 24 years? 24 years. Almost 25. Right. And uh, we've been, uh, we, we were in our early 30s when we started considering adoption and uh, basically from that point we started going through the doors uh, as they opened to start that process. We decided to do China. We had explored other options, and um, when we called our uh, Jim Savely at Small World, we he said, "Hey, are you ready to just rock and roll with this?" And I just knew, like, let's just do it. So we started the process before I turned 30, which you have to be 30 to adopt from China. So Grace was picked for us. Uh, we didn't know we would have have Grace until uh, we met her. Grace uh, was just fiery crazy kid when we met her and and uh, she wasn't real happy to go with us at first but no. uh, she was just now she's a homebody and she just loves to be home and mm -hmm. hang out with us. Sophie was uh, a, a picture that we saw and she was in a waiting child list uh, through small world adoption. Sophie was uh, from an orphanage uh, we, we picked her up from the orphanage and she was she happy to go us. with us. Actually, Sophie, our 13-year-old, is the one that kept coming to us and saying, Mom, we have extra room. We have, we have an extra room. Let's, let's do this. And, you know, we're not getting any younger. And we're like, what? <laughs> this is, uh, I don't know. We just, we, we were And then the three of them ganged up on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then once we got her, 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 her picture and we were looking at this child, I was like, I knew, I knew that she was supposed to be with us. You just know, you're just drawn to one, there's many children waiting and you're just drawn to that one child. And Libby was overjoyed. She was ready to leave. She wanted to leave. She wanted mom and dad, that's what she tells me. I waited a long time. Yep, her favorite book is, um, It's Hard to Wait. And then she'll say, I had to wait a long time for her birthday, and I had to wait a long time for my mom and dad. So, his love for us, like, it's just amazing. Like, you can't even fathom it that he would bring this child on the other side of the world and us together to be a family. It's just, it's amazing. I guess the, the biggest thing I learned was. Uh, Definitely don't put God in a box. Don't, yeah. don't um, limit what God can do. Uh, we went into this process really with no understanding of how we were going to be able to. Uh, I always look at things from a financial standpoint because that's that's how I think through things, and so I thought there's there's just no way there, there's no way that you can physically do this and as we went through each door you know you're, you're looking at the bank account and uh, oddly it really it was, looked fine there, there was nothing yeah. out of place there was nothing it it didn't really look like we had gone through a, a process of that 
size financially and that that really just was God speaking to me and saying I, I got this you go through the doors you take the steps and I will be there no matter what We've been married for nine years. We started trying to have kids probably six years ago, uh, and it wasn't happening. We went to went to some fertility specialists, and they advised us that we were very unlikely to be able to have children, and that we should pursue alternative means for our family. And uh, we chose to to look into adoption. The first adoption we were matched with was uh, was the first adoption we'd ever been matched with, so we were kind of, did not know what to expect going in. Throughout the whole, uh, the whole pregnancy of the birth mother and being matched, uh, we, we never got to speak with the birth mother and uh, our social worker contacts with the birth mother would give us weekly updates. She was due in August, and August came around, and we were packed and ready to fly to Arizona, just waiting to buy a plane ticket and uh, waiting on a phone call. And we got a phone call, but it was our social worker, and I could tell by the tone of her voice whenever I picked up that it just something wasn't right. She had went to the hospital without notifying the social worker, had the baby in the emergency room, and without. And then went home. And then they went to do like a welfare check on her, and she answered the door with the baby. You know, in, in that instance, like you just, you just have to look at it as, um, you know, I, well, I know about this woman and I know about this child and I know how to pray for them. And you have to be proud that you helped financially to bring a child into this world and um, you helped make someone's life a little easier for nine months. And we got matched with the second adoption really pretty quickly after a couple the weeks after first failed adoption. We had our bags packed and planned and we had everything to drive down into to get the baby and bring him back and uh, we got a text message right before we were about to come down saying I don't know if I can do this from the birth mother and and just she said she was 50-50 then the next day we went to the hospital to meet our son and we met him and um, got to change him and feed him and hold him and take pictures with him and um, and then we stayed with him all that day and then that night we they asked for a little bit of space and so um, we said well we'll go get some supper and then we'll pick you guys some supper up and bring it back and then we were going to spend the night at the hospital that night and um, we got a text when we were out eating, like, hey, from the birth mom, and she said, hey, I'm just in a lot of pain, I need to rest, and uh, could you just bring breakfast in the morning? And so we said, yeah, that's fine. We were, you know, picked up breakfast at the time that we agreed on the next morning, brought it to the hospital. She would not answer the phone, wasn't responding to text messages, and we sat for hours and hours in the waiting room with cold breakfast, hoping that she would let us come back there and um, something just wasn't right. And so we called our lawyer who, uh, she was representing both of us. And so she came to the hospital, went back and talked to her for about an hour and um, came out to the waiting room and said, look, you guys, 
just go back to your hotel room. She's not in a good place right now. Um, I'll get in touch with you. And so um, she contacted us later that afternoon and said that um, she had, she wanted to do a trial week of parenting and um, we could either stay in that state or we could go back home and wait. And so um, we chose to go back home and be with family and she, she just chose, she chose to parent him. What did you feel when you got the final answer? Just devastated. It, it was hard, and I mean, you said a final. I mean, what what really got to be hard was we never really got a final answer from the birth mom. It was always just kind of we'll wait and see, and it. To, it got to a point to where we had to, we had to say the final answer in that, no, we can't continue to wait and see. We have to move on. Uh, and that was just really challenging. In August 21st of this year, uh, our first son uh, was born, Judd Glenn Trout. Uh, we got matched with his birth parents uh, in February of this year. So um, Judd's birth parents were so gracious to us that they wanted us to be there for the entire process from check-in to the hospital until, until check-out and they wanted him with us the entire time. And um, that's something that I never, I never thought I would get to see our child be born. And so it's such a gift that they gave us, but to be able to watch him be born and then for Addie to say, give him to his mama. It was just incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Like, I will, I will never forget that moment. I heard a, heard a quote when we first started the adoption journey, and it's, um, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And it is so true. I mean, I, if, if we look back on paying for three adoptions in the past two and a half years, I don't know, I have no idea where that money came from. Like, I, it just, it just came. And he provided for us and he put people in our life to guide us down this path and help us with all the hurdles that we would face. I'm just so thankful to be part of it. Uh, it's, I mean, when we first learned about infertility, I mean, it, I kind of had to brace myself that I may not be a parent uh, and then after two failed adoptions, it even got more real that I may not be a parent. And for God to grow our family uh, with Judd, we're just incredibly thankful. You know, you kind of, you ask God for something and um, what he ended up giving us is just way bigger and more beautiful than anything that I had the guts to ask for in a prayer. Oh, mercy. I think my favorite line from that video was, give that boy to his mama, right? Amen. You know, uh, this week uh, I got that video. Kevin Perry spent hours and hours editing our interview, and uh, he sent it to me via email Wednesday night, and I called Jenna and Jay down and said, hey, y'all sit down with me and watch this video. And we just sat there and cried watching it for the first time, and I texted Kevin, and I said, 
man, Lord, have mercy. This thing's uh, we got wet cheeks over here. He said, what do you think about me? I just cried for 20 hours this week. <laughs> you know, so he, he, he thanked him for his work, but he took the brunt, right? He had to do that thing over and over and again. So anyway, what, what a beautiful, uh, beautiful stories. And there's more to come. Uh, I want to take a few minutes, just about 10 minutes this morning to remind us of all that the scriptures say about this subject of adoption and orphan care. As Christians, uh, we know one of the most fundamental truths of the scriptures is this. What you and I have received from God in Christ, we're to live that out horizontally. What we have received vertically, we're to live that out horizontally with those we do life with with our neighbors, with our friends, with our relationships. Wherever we go, work, or play, we're supposed to live out the truth of what God has done for us in Christ horizontally. I love how Paul puts these words when it comes to adoption in Galatians 4. And that is, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, the word means to buy back, those who were under the law so that we might receive as adoption, so we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a son or a daughter. And if a son or daughter, then an heir through God, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And so when we speak of this spiritual adoption, we describe it like this. An act of God whereby he makes us members of his family, Romans 8. The process through which a person who does not belong, who does not belong, to a given family is formally brought into it and made a full legal family member with all the rights and responsibilities of that position. You know, when we adopted Joel and we stood before the judge, one of the things he reminded us that I did not know is that once you adopt a child physically into your family, by law, you cannot disadopt that family. They're in it forever. And when we get spiritually adopted in Christ, one of the things the scripture is very clear on, we can never lose that adoption. We, the word, theological word, is eternally secure because of what Christ has done on our behalf. I love this application of this physical adoption. In God's great mercy, God works it's what he does. He works to awaken our affections in our adopted children. Those of us who adopted know this is true. We've experienced this. He produces incredible intimacy and emotional bonding with a child that we have never known. I'll never forget the nurse giving me Joel. Most people up to that time had allowed me to hold their child or their newborn child when we had friends having kids. I instantly wanted to give that child back. There was nothing in me that bonded with those children. But when that nurse put my daughter in my arms, 
There was a bonding that took place. And then that child over time cries out to us, the birth parents or the, the adopted parents. They cry out the same as birth children do. Daddy and mama, they call us. The scripture tells, tells us because of adoption, pay attention to this, make it very personal for you. If you know Christ, You've been adopted, and this is what the scripture says to each of us, that God relates to us as children, and we are to relate to one another as brothers and sisters, 1 Timothy 5, that we can speak to God and relate to him as a good and loving father, Matthew 6, that we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters. Our father loves us and understands us. Psalms 103, our Father takes care of our needs, Matthew 6. When we, when Jenna came to me and she told God to sick me and God did what Jenna says and I broke down, one of my first questions was very practically, as we saw in the video, this is sort of how I think, how we're going to pay for this. And uh, I sent out a newsletter Never forget the newsletter. <clears throat> laid out what we thought God was calling us to. And at the bottom, I put three picture frames, Microsoft Publisher, I'll never forget it. And in those frames, I placed the pictures of our three sons. And in the fourth frame, I left it empty with a question mark. Within seven to ten days by snail mail, my mailbox was slam full of money. I thought about sending one ne the next month for a truck. <laughs> but then I reconsidered. <laughs> and God takes care of our needs when it's the things that he is to be about. He wants us to be about. Our Father gives us many good gifts, Matthew 7. Our Father gives us as heirs to his kingdom, makes us heirs to his kingdom. Our Father disciplines us as his children that he loves. You know, I, I don't whoop other people's children. I just whoop mine, right? Yeah, he disciplines those whom he loves. Our Father wants his children to imitate him, and our Father wants us, his children, to be about the family work and adoption and orphan care is about the family work. Making the connections between this theological and biblical truth appear with the earthly reality that there are 143 children around the world today as I speak that need a home. It's so vital for you and I to be a part of this mission. The connection is huge. We pray for these children, and then we act on behalf of these children. We at Fellowship play our role. We play our role as a church. If you've ever wondered what is pleasing to God, James, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us this in James 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress. The scriptures we know are full of exhortations and commands to take care of the orphan and widows. Matter of fact, uh, you may or may not remember when we talked through the book of Isaiah, one of the reasons God was so furious with his people is because of their lack of justice in doing good to the orphan and to the widow. John Piper puts it this way. He says, when the culture of adoption is flourishing at a church, it means that people are looking to their heavenly father for their joy and embracing the stress and cost of children instead of trying to maximize their own freedom and comforts. And we heard that in the video this morning. I know it's true for us. We'll hear it again in our last story in a minute. And he goes on and says, and embracing both the pain and joy of children the pain and joy of children makes the worth of Christ shine more brightly. The end result is this, that we must remember God's cost to adopt us was infinitely greater than any cost, any cost we will endure raising children or taking children in our own home for foster care. Orphan love and care is in the DNA of this church. Not because we're special, not because we get it, but it's in the DNA of this church because it's ultimately in the DNA of the God of the universe. So we just chase after him. We just follow after him. What's precious to him, we follow and embrace ourselves. We want to follow his lead. And I don't know about you, it is, uh, it's always a lot easier to fall in love with a child than it is a statistic. So I want to bring up John and Julie. I mispronounced it. Say it again. Doko. It's Doko, but it's phonetically spelled Docho. So, <laughs> so y'all choose whatever you want to do. I'm a phonetic guy, so that's why I follow there. Doko. But... Uh, they have a great story. We're going to hear from them. And as I interview them live this morning, as we wrap up our morning, you'll be seeing a slideshow, uh, pictures uh, from China and the orphanage and the children in the orphanage from China that Julie visited and worked out earlier. So give them a warm welcome, John and Julie. Okay. Well, how you doing? Great. Great. They did great the first service. So really excited to hear your story. But I think for me, and I think for a lot of us, if we knew this, here's the deal. They have five children. So they have five children from four to 18 years old. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. So the first thing in my mind, you have five birth children. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> would make you want to adopt another child, but you know, not only to just consider it, but actually go for it. So explain that one to us. All right. Well, about 20 years ago, I was attending this little church in Washington State, where we're from. And one Sunday morning, this couple got up in front and they shared about their journey traveling to China and adopting a little girl and bringing her home. Mm. And their story was just it's so moving and impactful that it softened my heart toward adoption that day. And um, just not long after that, 
uh, is when John and I got married. And we had five biological children over the years. And both of us, our hearts were open to adoption. But for a lot of years, it just didn't feel like it was the right time. Until we moved to Tennessee. And when we moved here, we felt like God was finally starting to line things up in our lives to prepare us to start pursuing adoption. So we, we've just been waiting. And so now we're, we're all in. Wow. Well, so did you hear that? 20 years ago, probably a church similar to this, God started his work planting the seed there, and uh, yeah, it took 20 years to obey him. That's what I heard, right? So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, tell us this. So you got invited. Tell us how you got invited to, a work, to work for an adoption agency in China, and then sort of what you did while you were there. I thought that was unique hearing all this. Um, so we chose America World to be our adoption agency. We started the paperwork process in 2017. Um, we had some delays, some hiccups along the way, so we actually didn't finish completing our paperwork and submitting it to China until this last summer, which is not typical. It doesn't usually take that long. Um, but that's the way it went for us. So by that time, it had been so long, we were so ready to move on to the next step, which is to get matched with a child. So I was thinking about this next step and how you know, the matching can be really fast. We were hoping to get matched maybe September, October, and then travel by the end of the year to, to China and complete our adoption. And so when I was in that planning, I got this email from America World inviting me to go on this service trip to China um, called Loving Ambassadors. Um, the purposes of the trip was to go and meet a group of children who were waiting to be adopted to collect new information about them, help update their medical assessments, and take new pictures and um, new videos, and use that to advocate for them. So um, you can see in the pictures, these are the kids. Um, so... So they wanted you to go to China mm -hmm. to work for them and pay for your cost to go to China. Def definitely not. <laughs> they invited me to pay my own way yeah, yeah, on yeah, this yeah, yeah. trip. So I'm reading this email and I'm thinking, this is not part of the plan. Like, the last thing I want to do is delay our adoption any further because it's already been a super long process. So I started coming up with all these really great reasons why it's not a good time for me to go. I, we need to save money because we haven't finished paying for our adoption yet. Um, I didn't want to leave my kids for 10 days when we were already planning to be leaving them soon for two weeks. Um, although I did consider that going on this trip I would meet these waiting children, and there's a possibility that I could meet a child and request to be matched with that child. But I was thinking, um, there are so many orphans in China, just thousands and thousands of orphans waiting for families there. I thought, what are the chances of me meeting the child we're meant to adopt when I'm just going to be meeting the tiniest little handful? So, so I said no to the trip. I said, so I said, no, it's not a good time. Yeah. So I said, I didn't want to go. So, 
<laughs> but then over the next couple of weeks, I felt like God just kept bringing it back into my mind over and over he again. He has a way of doing that. Yes, he yeah. does. It, I felt like he was prompting me to really evaluate my own reasoning for saying no. Like, do I really think that my children will be traumatized if I leave them for 10 days? <laughs> they may be excited or, <laughs> if, it were, if it were me, you know, right? No, or, or am I just just not wanting to deal with the fear and anxiety that I know that I would experience being half a world away from them for that long. And am I trusting God to cover the cost of our adoption to like provide the resources for us to be able to pay for it? Or am I just really scared that we're not going to have enough? And Am I doubting the sovereign power of God to orchestrate all of our life's circumstances and bring any two people together on the whole planet at any time, any place? You know, like, would, would that be hard for God to do? Like, certainly, certainly not. So I'm feeling like, convicted about saying no to this opportunity that God has provided me, but um, I was still a little scared. So, And at this point, I hadn't said anything to John at all. I hadn't told him about <laughs> email or like the trip. And then I got a second email. Y'all have communication issues. <laughs> uh, right. He travels a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, it's his fault. It's the man yeah, you gave me, God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I called him up because he was out of town. He was traveling. And I thought, I'm just going to let John be the deciding factor because I really thought that he's not going to be on board with this. So I call him up and I say, hey, what do you think of me going to China for 10 days by myself? No, not related to the adoption. Just me going to China to serve orphans and pay my own way. And you stay home with the kids by yourself for 10 days. <laughs> so, so I was all John, on. you're making me look bad here. <laughs> so I was all on board with it. Um, if, it the way wow. Julie approached it, I, I figured she was all in. And then she proceeded to try to talk me out of saying it was okay for her to go. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we, we decided that it was best. And uh, we're very thankful that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I feel terrible now. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> well, as we wrap this up, a couple quick questions. So in light of God's sovereign power... Mm -hmm. Did you meet someone special while you were there working at the adoption agency? I did. I, I met our baby there in the tiny handful of orphans. I uh, met the, the baby that I believe God is calling us to adopt. There's pictures of me holding him up there. I don't know if they've come up yet. but uh, What's his name? His, his name is Muyuan, and he's two. Uh, we're still waiting for the paperwork to come so that we can be officially matched. And then as soon as it comes, we hope to go back very quickly and bring him home. That's, that's the plan. If you see the picture, tell us. Okay. Oh, it's over there, too. <laughs> Hurry up with slides. Okay. No. Oh, there, right. <laughs> lastly, la okay. yeah, if you do, holler at us. Lastly, uh, what, is the, what is the one thing, if you, as, you, as you leave us this morning, What's the one thing you would want us to know in, law, in light of all that you've seen or experienced? I think the, one of the biggest impacts for me um, going on this trip was just the stark difference between my expectations and reality. Before I even left for China, the adoption agency had sent me a list of all the kids 
names and ages and their special needs because 27 out of 28 of the kids up here were considered special needs. So I'm looking at this, this paper with like all these older kids and all these like, medical diagnoses and conditions that just look, looked and sounded really scary. And I was thinking, I don't even know how I'm going to interact with these kids. How am I going to connect with these kids? Oh, there's where you are. Um, yeah, he's wow. precious. So we get to meet him soon. Yes. So um, I was really, I was really concerned about how that was going to go. And then when I got there, it was there was nothing scary about it at all. Like the kids came in and they were delightful and joyful, and it wasn't it wasn't hard at all to interact with them. And so that really impacted me. That when you see something on paper. And it can look really scary, but when you meet a child, uh, you see their face. You don't you don't see their diagnosis. You you just see them, and you just want to love them and do anything you can to find them a family. I love it. Give them a hand. Great job. Great job. That's him. That's him again. Yeah, y'all y'all just sit there. I know I'm going to mispronounce it. Muyan? Muyan. Muyan. My man, Muyan. We're going to meet him. He's going to love me. Uh, be his favorite pastor. His first pastor, right? Uh, what a delight this morning has been. Uh, stand with me, if you would, as we dismiss. I want to, uh, I want to encourage you to look over your orange uh, sheet or handout here with all the ways that you can be involved in orphan care and uh, uh, to serve and drop by the table and ask questions. Uh, allow God to plant some seeds in your hearts. There's some of you that next year this time you'll be telling your adoption story uh, because of what you heard this Sunday. And so those are always fun to see how God sort of galvanizes us as a whole body uh, to be uh, to care for his uh, precious children in the ways that he has designed. So we're thankful to you, secondly, for the church to embrace. This is who we are. This is the DNA of who we are. Uh, this is the culture of our church to be a culture of life for every life, that every life matters, no matter the race, tribe, tongue, uh, sex of this child. That life matters from birth uh, forward till they take their last breath. So you have said yes to being a part of fellowship and therefore have said yes to this culture that we chase after because of the God we serve. And then lastly, um, uh, if you're new, uh, we'd love to meet you and we're glad that you came on this Sunday. You, you got to see uh, our hearts at this church. So love you. Have a great week. See you next week in December.